welcome to the exit interview episode one season one i'm asia and i'll be co-hosting this with kevin adams how y'all doing um so excited to get this started uh, it's been a long time coming uh so just sit back and enjoy our first story but before we get started follow us at two dope teachers on instagram and twitter and you can like us on facebook at facebook.com two dope teachers and a mic our email address is two dope teachers at gmail.com you can listen to us on apple and spotify podcast or at mr munoz excuse me.org if you do listen to us on apple please leave us a five-star rating and review please it really does help others find us and get our content finally if you want to support us financially, which we always love, um, podcasting podcasting isn't free. Head over to patreon.com slash 2DopeTeachers where you can become a Patreon for just $5 a month. And you all can spare $5 a month. The next five $15 patrons will receive a copy of Cornelius Miner's incredible book, We Got This. All yes. right, let's go ahead and get started. All right, well, so Kevin, go ahead. We are here today with our, our very first interview of, of the first exit interview. Um, you know, in Asia, this is funny because like we, we, we hope to have a lot of interviews for our podcast sake, but we hope to not have a lot of interviews. You know, like this is one of those weird things, but uh, we are honored here today to have our inaugural guest, uh, Satara Douglas. So welcome Satara to the exit interview. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, yeah, no problem. Glad to have you. Yeah. Um, so I guess, you know, our podcast is going to be, and I guess this is good for everyone to know, really based on three different themes, telling your story, your lived experience um, in the classroom, the last straw, if you will, then also um, how it affected your family, what you were going through is in education, and then what you're doing now. We know that a lot of folks think about leaving the classroom, but don't know the direction they should go in or what people are doing once they leave the classroom. So, you know, go ahead and take it away and we'll just kind of jump in as we see fit. All right. Um, so again, my name is Satara Douglas. I am still actually currently a teacher in Denver Public Schools. Um, and I started in Cherry Creek back in 2011, 2010, some odd number like that. Um, but uh, what drove me to be an educator is my mom has uh, has a passion for education. Um, and so that's what she wanted to be was an educator and um, she was not able to be for whatever reason. Um, and so I think she instilled this like love for education. Therefore, I went to school for education. Um, I have two degrees in it. Um, and as a teacher, what I enjoy the most is I really enjoy uh, teaching kids. Um, but also giving them a different perspective, right? Like I think traditionally teaching it is done by um, white women, right? Mm -hmm. We know that. Mm -hmm. And white women have a different perspective than um, I would say most minorities in um, how we address life, how we handle life, how we, the challenges we face. Um, so when I go into the classroom, I like to make sure that I am speaking to my kids in a language that speaks to them. Um, one that they recognize, one that's familiar, um, I pride myself on you like telling them stories about my personal life. Um, growing up K through 12, I don't remember knowing much about my teachers. I actually remember thinking that they didn't, that they lived at the school. I yeah, yeah. remember, yeah. That, which is kind of sad um, and shows you how naive I was. Um, 
but I remember thinking that. And so I pride myself on making sure my kids know that like I have a life outside of um, teaching and that it mirrors most of my kids' life, especially my minority kids. It mirrors their life, right? Like I have a sister and a mom who I care for and need. Sure. Um, and so I really try to make sure my kids see that. I also try to make sure um, for my minority kids that they kind of get that structure that we need. Like I remember my first teacher who wasn't always trying to be nice and smile. Like I remember mm-hmm. the first teacher who actually showed me what life was going to be like um, and what journey and hurdles I would go through. Of course, they didn't teach me every little hurdle, but um, they gave me a perspective of that. It wasn't going to be a cookie cutter hand to me um, life. Mm -hmm. I try to make sure my minority kids get that as well. Like that. I love you, but love isn't always giving you what you need or or not giving you what you you want. Want. Yeah. 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 Love is not always that love is also giving you what you need and what you don't even know you're going to need. Yep. Um, And so that's just been my education. I worked or myself as a teacher, I worked in Cherry Creek for about, I don't know, four years, something like that, maybe three. I don't know. Honestly, can't remember. Um, And in Cherry Creek as a teacher, um, I worked all over the district. So I should say that I worked in the um, east part of the district where that's like the ugly baby side of Cherry Creek. I hate to say that, but um, like Overland and all that good yep, stuff where yep. they really are in Cherry Creek, but no one really claims them as Cherry yes. Creek, unfortunately. So I've worked on that side. Can all you talk, way- can, I'm sorry to pause you. Can you talk more about that for people, audience members Outside, who don't, yep. yeah, don't know the district or don't know anything about our okay. state? Yeah. So um, Cherry Creek um, is one of the best, I will give them that. It's one of the best districts in Colorado and a lot of people want their kids there, right? Like I own a rental property there and it's never without tenants because people want their kids in Cherry Creek, no matter what part of the district. Um, It's a pretty big district. I don't know exactly size, but it covers Aurora, a little bit of Denver. I don't know, the suburbs. It's definitely the suburbs of districts. Um, And then, so for most people who think of Cherry Creek, it's a very white district, very, very white. Um, however, they have little pockets, and even now, more so, they're growing little pockets of diversity. And so, when I say the east, I think it's the east side of the district. I'm pretty sure it's the east side of the district. Um, that's in Aurora. It's like I-225 and going. Let me think of my directions. Uh, <laughs> let's see. I think going west towards the mountains. I believe yes. going yeah. west. Yeah. But, okay. So it's going west. Um, there's a whole bunch of schools and these schools are now minority majority schools. So they're nothing but minorities in these schools. They have a high population of immigrants. They have, um, yeah, black and brown students, a lot of EL, um, English language learners live over there. And so the reason why I said that it's like the part of the district, it's like it's little ugly babies because everyone um, knows it's a part of Chair Creek, but it's not the part that Chair Creek glows about, right? Like, yeah. I don't think Chair Creek works twice as hard to make sure that that part of the district is getting the same resources, the same um, accolades, the same best of the best teachers as the part where, um, I don't know where part, what part of the district it is, but like Chair Creek High School, where John Elway's son yep, went. Yep, right? yep, 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 yep. So like, mm-hmm. very different. Um, that part also has like a high turnover rate, um, yeah, so that's why I say it's the ugly baby. Like it's the part of the district where if they could probably get rid of a part of the district, they would sell those schools and give them to either Aurora Public Schools or Denver Public Schools. Mm. Um, so that's what I mean by that. And it's it's different. I will say like um, 
it's probably the part of the district I enjoyed the most because it's the most minority um, heavy. You have a lot of working families over there. A lot of the families over there, because so if you don't know much about Cherry Creek, there are families who can donate salaries um, in Cherry Creek, right? So they can yeah. donate paraprofessional salaries or teacher salaries. But in that side of the district, it's not so much the case, right? Like those are working families. Uh, and even if they work, could, like who says I have to donate yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to a district yeah. I already pay taxes to? Like, I, don't, right. I don't even know why that makes sense. Why I'm going to pay for a teacher when I already pay taxes. Like yeah. I think I've done yeah. my part. Um, and so that's what I mean by that part of the district. And then do you want more? Is that good? No, that makes sense. Yeah, Go yeah, ahead yeah, with yeah. your story. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And so thank then, you. Of course. And so then the other part of the district that I've worked in is like, uh, I don't, it's the newer part of the district. So it's uh, past like E470. Um, so that's a very, very white yep. part of the district, right? That's where people are donating. I remember when I first started at the school out there, um, they had donated uh, 20, 14,000. I don't know, a lot of money. Let's just say it was just too much to understand why people were able to just donate this much. And again, I'm coming from the perspective of one, my mom was not rich when I went to school. Yep. And two, as a teacher, I'm not rich. So yep. I don't even know how I could donate someone to donate basically my salary mm -hmm. um, to a school. Um, and so that part of the district was very different because the when I worked over there, my kids had one-to-one -one iPads provided by the school. Not not themselves. And this is this before the before remote learning, before all this pandemic. Before remote stuff. learning. This was oh. it. Wow. This school started, I think it opened, I worked there in 2013, so it opened in 2012. And so one of the big pushes, um, because it's an elementary school, so they were taking them from this well-known elementary school that was getting the, great, the greatest of the greatest scores. They loved their principal. It was a really good school. And so in order to split this community and put them in a new school, they promised them that they would give them one-to-one -one iPads. Um, oh, I see, I see. Three through fifth, Three, third through fifth grade, our kids had one-to-one -one iPads. So as a teacher, I had Apple TV. And this is back in 2013. I was teaching yeah. Apple TV. I was teaching on wow. iPads. I was sending homework via iPads. Wow. Um, whereas in the other part of the district, we were using notebooks, I think. Um, mm -hmm. Who's to say we even had every curriculum we needed or sure. copies of curriculums. Um, it was just very different. Yeah. So yeah, I've worked in all parts of the district and um, the reason why I left Cherry Creek um, for several reasons, I ended up leaving. So in 2013, to give a little perspective, I, or 2012, I was working for a principal who I really liked. Um, and he decided to take a job in another uh, another school in the district. Um, but I decided to stay because I that was just my new comfort zone or whatever. Um, however, I had, you've worked in, um, Asia, you've worked in Cherry Creek. So in Cherry Creek, they do walkthroughs, right? Building walkthroughs where mm -hmm. they um, all these people come in, community members come in. And so that year I had a principal come in um, from the school that had iPads and she liked what she's seen. And so mm -hmm. she literally recruited me, which is against Cherry Creek's policy. Mm -hmm. um, recruited me. Oh, to wow. Yeah. And like, I even remember, like they pulled me out of class, um, had me talk to her right then and there. Uh, she told me that if I had took the job, if I had taken the interview, it was automatic, automatically my job. So it was definitely like recruiting. I definitely was like a comfort place um, yep. walking into it. Um, and I'll be transparent that I definitely didn't feel good about it. Like I definitely was 
it felt good to be recruited, right? Like that's a wonderful feeling that someone wants you. Um, and not only do they want you, like she, at the time before I even took an interview, I had met parents who met me at my current job who were saying, oh, like you're that new teacher we want. Like the community is asking for you. So it was like, not even just like her, she yeah. was talking to her colleagues. The teachers were talking to me. Parents were talking to me. So it was definitely like, hey, we want you. You should you, you You were the number one draft pick. Right. <laughs> yeah, you were the number one draft pick. And it yeah, was, it sounded like it, right? <laughs> yeah, and it was clear and it felt good. But yep. um, even though it felt good, like I remember at the time telling my friends like, oh my gosh, like something does not sit well about this. Yep. Someone is selling, like even the devil can sell. I remember saying this and I don't even know where this came from. I was like, the devil can sell hell as heaven as long as they put a good spin on it. Yep. And I mm-hmm. that all the time. Well, it went against my tuition. I still took the job and um, started out there. And I, within that first month, I knew I should have never took that job um, because she had positioned me on a team with two other teachers when I was the teacher with most experience. Um, yeah. But, and that's not a problem, but she had positioned me to be on that team because she wanted me to be the like person who compromised between them. They are very strong personalities. Oh, wow. So she had even told me like, I, you know, they, they both want their way, but you could be the person who like is in the middle. And mm-hmm. at first I thought like, no big deal. Right. Like I'm kind of like copacetic, like it can't be that bad. And also when she recruited me, she thought I was going to get along with teammate A um, and that we were going to be best friends. And in reality, I thought I was going to be cool with her too, but that's not how it worked out. Um, And so by that first month, like one, she didn't help me set up my classroom. She never came and checked on me. Not that I need any of those things, but I think that speaks volumes when someone comes to your school and they're in your community for the first year that you don't feel like you have to do any of that. Um, And so... The first time we ran into a problem was during one of our like PLCs, so professional learning community, um, professional learning communities. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. I'm like all the acronyms. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. (laughs) And so, and they're very different from district. district. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we had got it. Um, the first time we had a real problem is I had uh like a little coach. And she was leading the meeting, but we were talking about the achievement gap. And so I just want to give background. Like the one thing I did do in college is I was a McNair scholar and I researched the achievement gap and whether um, mm-hmm. teachers were prepared to teach. I think I called them ethnically, ethnically, racially and culturally diverse learners. Right. Yep. So if I don't speak up about anything, this is the one thing I'm going to speak up about. Like um, and so the lady was basically saying that, like, um, we needed to come up with a plan for how we were going to address our achievement gap. Um, and no or less, the kids that we were going to target, they had to be minorities. Now, again, I just told you, I worked at a very, very white school. Like, yes, yes. Clubs, yes. Um, and I think minorities made up maybe 1% of that. Yes, mm. yes. Maybe two max. Like, let's give them 2%. Yep. Um, and so to me, when we're talking about this and we're looking at the, the data in front of us, it was a problem to me because like I told her, like one, so we're going to overlook little Billy, Bob, little Billy, Bob and John yep. who are in the bottom to go work with, um, I thought of the actual girl's name, Jaya. <laughs> That's not her name, but yep. Jaya to go work with Jaya because she's black. And I'm yeah. like, well, why does she need that? Like why, right. why yes. she needs it? Right. And then we're like, well, 
you know, then that's when all the stereotypical thing comes out. Like, well, you know, two parent households. And I'm like, first of all, cut the crap. Every last kid out here has two parent households. And yeah. the one I know who doesn't is in a white family. <laughs> So like, let's not even play. And so she was like persistent on me. And so we actually uh, like departmentalized and I shouldn't say departmentalized. We did departmentalize, but we also taught by, what is that called? Um, um, to, uh, cohorting or like, you know, keeping like- Like low, medium, high. Yep, yep, yep. yep oh, yep, tracking. Yep. Tracking, tracking, tracking. Yeah, tracking. thank you. So that's how we taught. And I taught the high kids. And so I'm like, why am I focusing? Like my kids don't need no focus on. If they made it to my group, then like they don't need focusing on. And even if they do, I'm, I should truly pick the kids at the bottom. I should not go pick the kid who's the second highest kid up in, based on data because yep. he's black, right? Yeah especially because there was nothing alarming about the students. It'd be different if like the kid was coming from a troubled home or their parents are in the middle of a divorce or X, Y, Z, then it could be like, okay, let's make sure he stays in that position. Yeah, sure. But so like, that was our first like little battle. So that coach took it back to the principal and the principal was like, oh no, no, no. And I think I actually told her, I said like, you know, when you want to talk about the achievement gap, because that's when the coach who was Hispanic, but white presenting and definitely white acting, um, thought she was going to school me on the achievement gap. She was like, yeah. well, this is why we're doing it, you know, like, because even at the best of the best schools, these kids aren't doing well. And I'm like, cool, boo, I understand when achievement gap happens, but achievement mm -hmm. gap, if you want to talk about this study, like, you need to compare apple to apples. These achievement, like, the studies you're quoting and the schools you're citing um, are schools in very different areas than ours. Like, we are talking about kids who have resources. I'm talking about, I taught kids who had tutoring after school or got pulled out of school to yep. get. So we're not, you are comparing little Johnny and DPS who isn't getting any of those wraparound services. Mm -hmm. um, and I, it wasn't even that I couldn't back down on it. It just did not make sense. To me, we were creating another stereotype that because these kids were minorities in an all white school, they had to be the ones who were not doing well. Even yep. though it did not align with that. And so, um, so that little conversation eventually got brought back to the principal. And after that, like when I say microaggressions are real, they are real. And mm -hmm. not even microaggressions, like that lady, the one thing I can give her respect to her is, um, is when she challenged you and made you feel like you weren't nothing and belittled you, she didn't back down. Like she, she would have done it in front of everyone. Like there was times she called me out in front of my teammates. Um, there's times that she had me in office crying, belittling me, then sent me home to drive. 45 minutes mm -mm. Um, and parents seen it and she didn't care. Like that, that, that's the one thing I would give her because I have a lot of administrators who do microaggressions, little jabs and then act like they never did it. Sure, yeah. sure. She, yep. she stood on it. She was like, no, I say what I said. You weren't blah, 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 blah. And it just got worse and worse. So like after that, I could do no wrong. So after that, because um, obviously like when you get yelled at, even though like they told me like in Cherry Creek, in general in education, they promote like, be honest, let's talk about equity, right? Like sure. yep. that yep. whole beyond our own diversity training, That's which right. the SAP. And so I'm like, don't tell us to take this training. Don't tell me to come up authentically. And the one time I say something that doesn't align with what you believe, you're gonna now come after me. Yeah. And so like everything just happened. So then with colleagues, I had one colleague at that same school who told me that, um, on my team who told me I needed to work as twice as hard as they did 
because she was married and wanting to have a kid or she was married and trying to have a kid. Mm -hmm. And the other lady was married and had kids, but I need to work twice as hard. Now I remind you, now I'm not against working twice as hard, but I had the most experience in the the grade level. I also had two degrees. So why would I be working twice as hard as anybody? What made her say that? Like in what situation, what scenario did this come up? I have no clue. We had so many conversations. I have no clue. But, and honestly, I would tell you just the audacity, like, cause she thought yeah. she could say that and she knew she could like in that circumstance, she knew she could say that to me. And if I went back to the principal, there would, what would the principal do? Agree with her? Like, yeah, well, there's yep. some truth to that. Like you're the single one, right? Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. So it was based off the fact that you were single. Single, right? I yeah. had single and I didn't have any kids, but regardless, I don't care if it was, I don't care if I was the only one who could afford to fly to Paris every year. Yep. You're going to tell me I work harder when there's mm-hmm. a pay scale that determines how we work and we're all equal. Yep. Um, so just, I mean, a lot of little things. I honestly, if I could go back and name every microaggression she did, but by, I will tell you by September, maybe October of that year, I had already decided I was going to quit. I was mm. like, I'm done. I, um, because what I will tell you as a person is I had just, either I was 25 or 24. Um, I was a couple months shy of graduating with a master's. Um, I had purchased my own home and I was going home and I literally was staying in my bed. Like, I mean, crying. I was driving to work crying. I. I still talk to a student from there. She's turning 18. And she, yes. I remember when you were crying. I remember like your face and say, I'm fine, I'm fine. Um, and it was just draining. It was killing me to go there. So the first thing I did was like kind of resort to yeah. my own little bubble, right? Like I just withdrew. Because the problem I had with that school is the other teachers, well, prior to me starting to talk about my treatment, because sometimes I think as teachers or as people, when you're getting treated bad, especially minorities, we just keep to ourselves. Yep. We don't start telling people. Nope. Sure. But the moment I start telling other people, they're like, oh, well, this is her. This this is how she treats people. Like, you know, mm. this is, she treated so-and-so like this. And so then again, some of the times she was treating me like this in front of my colleagues, right? Like yep. um, she marked me down professionally. She said I was not collaborative, even though I still was pulling my weight. I was making copies. I was the one who's, I was doing all the planning, right? Yep, I, yep, yep. Um, she marked me down on it. And then when I told my colleague, um, and I was like, hey, like, you don't agree with this. And she was like, no, it's not true. And I was like, well, did she mark you down? Because if we're not effective as a team, then mark us all down, right? Because that's what, if like collaboration isn't a one person thing, like I can't make or break the collaboration of a team of three people. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And so, um, my teammate was like, oh, I, you know, I don't really want to say anything. And you're always the one who like, you know, questions things. And I'm like, I, one, rarely question anything. Two, what is wrong with questioning? Like, what is wrong with saying, explain more, clarify? Isn't those the exact same skills we tell our kids to do? Yeah. <laughs> were you, so were you the one of or the only uh, BIPOC Black teacher at the school? How many were there? What was that experience? Oh, oh that's one of the things that sold me on this school is she said, like, she had a lot of BIPOC teachers. And I can't remember, but I would say there's probably one black or Hispanic teacher on every grade level. Okay. And then like, uh, like, um, but then I also, I, it's important to like, now that I think about it, hindsight's 2020 is like knowing what position people have, right? Are they new teachers? Yep. Uh, 
were they there from the beginning? Did they get recruited with you? And then she also mentioned that a lot of the para staff were professional or BIPOC in um, like the daycare, the guy who ran the daycare was BIPOC. But then you start to think about it. Well, the majority of the people who are BIPOC don't hold no power, right? Like, sure, yep, sure. Yep, yep. Which is very common. Yep. Their voices aren't equal. So, but they were there too. And like, that was disheartening too. Like, I just think in general it's disheartening because the colleagues, my colleagues clearly knew how I was being treated, right? Like yep. behind doors, they would come and be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, don't leave, don't, don't leave. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, no, don't tell me don't leave. Go tell her to stop. Like, yeah, yeah. wrong that I deserve this type of like treatment. So fast forward in October, I decided that I wasn't gonna keep crying. Like I was like, okay, you're gonna cry, but not you're not gonna let her see you break you down anymore. Yep. Um, and so then I just started going around. Like I decided like, I know people in the district, like you weren't the only one who was impressed by me, like chill out. I'm just gonna start going to talk to people who look like me. Yeah, sure. How you're treating me, because I wanted advice. Um, and I we get the most asinine advice from people who look like me. Some of them would be like, well, just hold your head down. wow wait wait, did you hear what she's doing to me like did you hear the excessive like coming into me and attacking me like you know I I don't know as I just would say this like how we um how anyone is allowed to treat someone so badly especially when they're working with kids right so if you are pushing teachers to the point where they are driving home and crying what does it say that they're not treating your kids like this sure Right. And what what example are you sitting for kids when their teachers are constantly crying in front of them or their teachers are like, you know, constantly afraid to do things because they're afraid to get ridiculed. Like what environment are you teaching kids? You're teaching kids like I had this parent at that same school who was asking about the bullying problem. And I just told her, like, if there's bullying at a school, it's a reflection of the staff. That's right. Sure. That's right. Because kids are learning it, especially if you're as a parent, you're like, I don't I don't condone this. I don't teach this. And you're like, well, you know, even when I uh, talk to my kid, it, he still re- resorts back to that. Yep. It is a reflection of the staff. It is 190% reflection of the staff. So long story short, I started talking to people. She caught wind of it. And of course, then that's when she wanted to change her, her tone, right? Then that's when it was like, oh, okay. Like, you know, and I will tell you, the only thing she marked me down on was my ability to collaborate. But the comments that she had said with it was just so yep not in alignment with everything else it made no sense right yep um and so so by mid-year i had already told my teammates like we were getting along but i was like i'm not coming back like this is just ridiculous at one point Mm -hmm. my teammate the one who told me i could work twice as harder as her blamed her abortion uh, her miscarriage on me her miscarriage on me that i was the cause of a miscarriage oh my gosh that's a lot right because I am literally now keeping myself at home. I'm not going out anymore. And never once did I de- did I blame my depression or the onset of depression on anyone. Like, because yep. I think that's a lot of power to give someone to say that someone is creating this for you. Um, so I had decided that. And my principal basically had caught word or whatever. And so she was like, well, I just, you know, I want to let you know you're one of the best teachers we have. And, if you know, next year um, you can pick the team that you're on. Like you can pick whatever grade level you're on and you can pick your teammates. And it's crazy because just a minute ago, you said I couldn't collaborate. I wasn't good. I'm not coachable. But now I get to pick my team and I get to pick the grade level. And and that's interesting amount of power that she just decides to wield to you. Uh, I've never heard of anything like that. Just to say, like, whatever no. you want to do, however yes, you want to yes. do this, like, that's interesting. Well, I also think, like, you know, they're not stupid, right? Like, she 
for a while she knew she kept me in a place where I was just uh, like internally beating myself up. But when she knew she was catching word that I was going, cause I mean, when I tell you I was going up, like I was going as far as I could like, um, at the time, I think we had a Hispanic woman who ran our culturally diverse program. Yep. And that, I was in her office. Like, so when I tell you, I was like, well, we ain't gonna keep playing these games. So I knew she knew she was catching word. Yep. Like, hey, your employees are having meetings, like private meetings constantly with these people. And so I think that was not, I don't think she truly meant it, right? Like, I don't think she truly cared if I got the best of the best team and got to pick them. I think she was trying to look out for herself because- yep. Sure, of course, of course naively as a person of color and just as a person a young teacher I didn't even go to the union and that's yeah. where I should have went right yeah. I should have went to the union I should have went back to my contract I should have been documenting it and lucky for her I didn't right so lucky yeah. for her, she didn't catch a case and same with Chair Creek they didn't catch a case because I wasn't using my skills right like I wasn't using my skills I was, was resorting so I ended up quitting that school long story short um and it sucked because I had kids whose parents who were like hey I want my kid in your class next year like you know and the few sure. kids like the few of them who had minorities even parents biracial parents like a white mom I had her biracial daughter and she was like I want my son in your class and so I didn't um just because I didn't want to break anyone's heart I do think as teachers they guilt us <laughs> into staying into places yeah, they say do. that say that <laughs> and so I didn't tell anyone I told my boss I told everyone the last day before the last day of school the second to last day I was like hey y'all ain't coming back sorry um and so that was like the starting to my breaking point of realizing that one teaching wasn't for me but this wasn't even just like that was the big experience in Cherry Creek but like I heard comments like um we had a little boy come to our school for the first time his dad brought him and it was like well where's his mom she's probably in jail right? This is a black kid. And who, who mm. are you to say that? His mom could be dead. Like his mom could have cancer. Who knows? Right who off knows? the bat. The, that's the wow. first thing that you hear. Right. And, and that's what gets to you. That's the stuff. Mm -hmm. And then just all kinds of things. So like when I said that was like the breaking point in Cherry Creek, I had a lot of experiences, right? I had a lot of times where um, people would just be like, when I first started at the school, I did like, I remember the teachers being like, well, we don't want you to take our job. What? First of all, I'm straight out of college. Second of all, you have a contract. Like your job. You already have a job. Yeah. Yeah. And so even if I come out here, come up here and out show you in a Beyonce this place, I can't take your job. And if yeah. I did, then that means it was never for you. And That's when I right. when I switched schools, like I just remember people think tell me, Oh, you think you're too good to be working with us. And it's like, no, you take better opportunities. People like generally, like, I don't know, but I it was a lot of things. That was my breaking point in Cherry Creek. But then I moved to DPS and DPS is another little ride. So I have a question. So all this is happening when in that year that you were at the school before you left the district. Who did you talk to about this in your family? Did you talk to this with, you know, siblings, parents, cousins, best friends? And like, what was their experience? How did, what advice did they give you, if any? Um. So I think my friends, generally, um, even those who worked in the district uh, and the person who actually got me in that position, I'm not gonna say she got me in that position, that's a lot of power on her, um, but she's the one who helped connect us, right? Um, they were just like, okay, we'll go switch schools, right? Like even my old yep. friend like, switch schools. He was like, don't leave teaching forever. He's like, switch schools. And I'm just like, no, I like, literally I'll tell you guys, like I have never, like when you're like, darn, I should be so happy with my life. Everything is going the way I should. I've accomplished everything I thought I would, but I'm depressed and I don't mm -hmm. wake up the next day. 
And that's when I realized I need to walk away. My family, same thing. They didn't want me to walk away. They, they think I'm an amazing teacher. Even now when I'm talking about leaving Denver public schools, they're like, don't walk away. Um, but the one thing my family did say is like, they were like, well, that's like, you know, that's what happens, you know? Um, some of them mm. were kind of like missed it because as black people, we've experienced it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, we experience so much of this that sometimes we normalize it. And then yeah. when our kids bring it to us, we're like, well, you know, that's what's supposed to happen. Like, sure. Yeah. At least you're not a slave. At least you're yeah, not yeah. It's like, Jim Crow. Just, it's like, no, that's what we raised with. It's like, oh, yeah. well, you know, it could be worse. So, so mm-hmm. just keep your head down because mm-hmm. that's, you know what they'll do to us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You should be grateful. That's a good school district. You should be grateful. You're making more money than I ever made. You should be grateful. You should be oh, gra- absolutely. Yes, yes. And But I did have like one friend. He also, like, he's the reason he helped talk to me into going to that school, like when I was worried about it. And he was like, leave. He was just like, leave. If you're not happy, he's like, you're, you're 25. Like, who's not happy at 25 with everything you have? Mm-hmm. And he was like, leave. He was like, because then you, there's other schools. Like, why stay in a toxic work environment? And it wasn't the last time I was in Cherry Creek. I ended up going back to Cherry Creek after I gotten sick. Um, so I gotten sick in 2015. And in 2016, I went back to sub um, as a long-term sub. And I uh, quit mid-year in that position. And I don't regret it because I had walked in. So I will tell you, I naturally am a quiet, uh, keep to myself person. I think I navigate the work environment like a man. Like, I'm like, this is my job. Like, don't ask me about my homie. Don't, none of that stuff. Um, And so then um, when I went in, I had told them, like, I was not even a year out of the hospital. So I told them, like, my doctor's appointments are important. My PT, my OT, I mean, I was still going through, basically, I still was very sick, just wanting to work. and so I had told them that came first, but I wanted something to distract me. And sure. so I ended up working for them and I actually loved it. It was the first time I had be lived in the community. I lived in my community school. So I was yeah. working for the school up the street. And so I loved, loved, loved it because I could walk down the street and see like Ruth Ann, right? And see so-and-so across the street. Um, but what happened is, is like my colleagues again, oh, she's, you know, she doesn't want to talk and like little do they know, and this is one thing that people need to realize is people could be dying, like literally in their life, dying, going through depression. Because at that point, like before it was just me thinking I had depression, but this point I was actually diagnosed with depression. They knew why I was sick, right? They knew everything. And so of course I'm keeping to myself. And of course, like I'm, I'm withdrawing because I'm starting to be overwhelmed. Like by life, I'm overwhelmed by my personal life. I'm overwhelmed by now working four hours. So at some point they switch my hours against my will. <laughs> they tell me I'm not gonna teach fourth grade, cool, whatever. And my principal is like, she gives me a great evaluation. She's like, I need you to sign this contract. And remember, I was only supposed to be a long-term sub. I took it for that reason. Like, because yeah. as you can step away, like as a sub, I can be like, oh, can't come today. Um, but as a teacher, it's a little bit more of a like, you're. It's a contract. The commitment, yeah. Yep. Commitment. Yep. And I didn't want that commitment. And so I told her, I was like, no, I'm not going to sign it. Um, and so when she switched my hours, because if you, you've ever been in the medical field, you schedule appointments six months out. So I'm not yep. scheduling t- my appointment for tomorrow. Tomorrow, like today, that was scheduled yep. six months ago. Yep. And so it got to the point where she was now making me take time, all the time to go to appointments. And I'm like, well, you do realize if you never change my hour, this would never be a conflict, right? Mm-hmm. If you change my hours, this would not be a conflict 
Um, and I remember getting hospitalized and her reaction to it and just like her whole tone and even like the questions I got from my colleagues, like, what makes you so moody? I don't know, maybe the depression pills, but I, that's not your business. Babe. Yeah. What makes you think? And that's what, as a teacher of color, I don't know why white women feel like they can ask you these things and why our work environment has made them that comfortable to that's think right. they can ask you this in a workplace. And if I bring that up to my boss, because I did bring it up to my boss, one of my bosses was a friend at the time. It was like, well, you know, they're just trying to get to know you. No, you're crossing lines. You're crossing lines. Now, like that would be like me coming to Kevin and asking you about you and your wife's life in your bedroom. Like, yep. no, some things are off limits. It doesn't have to do with my job. And so I ended up quitting after I had get ho got hospitalized because I was just like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to miss appointments because she, it was either I missed the appointments or I took the time. Yep. Whatever. And um, so she made these hurdles for me. And so I was at some point I start missing appointments. So I'm rescheduling. Um, we're talking about like my therapist, like my counselor who is dealing with depression, right? Who's helping me stay at this job. Because if she wasn't talking to me before I come to this job, I would have quit a lot sooner. Um, your physical therapist, your, I mean, you name it. She was making me cancel these appointments. And I got to a point where after I got hospitalized, I was like, no, I don't have to prove anything. Um, I'm not going to make my sister jump through hurdles to call you guys to let you know I've been hospitalized. When you knew, when you asked me to work this position, that that's what you're stepping into. So I ended up quitting. And since then, I can't get hired in Cherry Creek. <laughs> yeah. um, and honestly, now I don't want to go back because how do you treat your employees like that? Like, how do you, but then any other time, right? Like, because districts like to gloat on how they treat people who are sick. Um, they'll gloat like, oh, this one teacher was sick and we, we just we did so much for them and it's like no you don't you don't treat all your employees like that and maybe because I'm a black person you didn't think I deserved that but I did I deserved grace I deserved you treating me with respect and respecting boundaries so that's why I end up leaving Cherry Creek um on that now, moment before we go on I know you talked about you moving over to Denver Public Schools and we want to definitely hear about that but we want to take a short break um, to plug in some information that we need for our podcast, but this has been really, really interesting. So we really appreciate you like telling your story and sharing all this with us as a sub and as a, as a teacher, full-time teacher in multiple schools. And so yeah, and what you're experiencing. So we really appreciate that. And this still is at the point where you said, I'm completely done with the classroom, right? Or, or we don't know. We're going to find out the rest of the story. We are deeply grateful for all your support these last few years, your engagement on social media, your downloads, and your enthusiasm have kept us going since we started this Too Dope adventure nearly five years ago. Right, Kev? Yes. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts for your ongoing support of the content that remixes the conversation about race, power, and education. We have big hopes and dreams that you have inspired. And with your support, those dreams begin to take shape in reality. In the coming weeks, you will learn about projects that we can now go forward with because you stepped up. Yeah, we're so happy. Of course, we still have numerous projects filed away that are awaiting your support. 
You can support these projects by visiting patreon.com slash two dope teachers. Patrons who join at the two dope level get a two dope nation sticker. And what's better than stickers? Um, it's designed by local uh, artist Sham. And for a limited time, limited time, the next five two dope patrons will get a copy of Cornelius Miner's book, We Got This. What? What a deal. It, that is, and it's signed. And That's it's signed. right, and it's signed. Patrons will enjoy special access to us in the form of Ask Me Anything threads, throwback old episodes, occasional Zoom meetings, and sneak previews to upcoming work and public appearances. Our upcoming podcast series, The Exit Interview, featuring the brilliant Asian Lions, which highlights the stories of black teachers who were forced out of teaching is only possible because of our patrons. And I can't wait. I can't wait. It's going to be so dope. So we asked and you responded. We look forward to growing and learning with you. Let's remix this conversation on race, power, and education. All right, we are back with the exit interview and we are talking to Satara Douglas. I'm Kevin Adams. We have Asia Lyons. How you doing? And Satara, before we were left, you, you were telling us about, you know, Cherry Creek and your experiences there and how even after you quit, you went back to sub through all of the, the your health issues, the hospitalizations. And then even after that, you said, I'm not done with this. I still want to be an educator. I'm headed not from Cherry Creek, but to the wonderful school district known as Denver Public Schools. Tell us you about- sound, You sound like you may be working at Denver Public I mean, I, 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 you know, well, I'll just, hold on. Can I give just some full transparency because this is like very full circle. I think mm -hmm. like everything in life. So my first job that I ever applied for was at Overland High School. Right. And so if you guys know, like this was right after uh, there was this incident with Jay Binish, who was recorded talking about George Bush, you know, and I was going in as a critical young critical pedagogist ready to, you know, teach about, you know, the Black Panthers and Marxism and all sorts of radical stuff. And I got hired. I went through the whole process in Cherry Creek. And um, you guys probably know this. Cherry Creek had like I had like a double interview process. So first, like the interview committee. And then I had to go. Um, interview with uh, the principal, um, which um, was at the time, um, uh, why can't I think of his name? John, John, what, well, oh my gosh, his wife, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm having a, a name uh, pause. It's the speaker pro tempore of the house, Colorado Asia, you know her. You, um, oh yeah. Oh, oh my gosh, why can't I think of it? Okay. Give me a second. You go ahead. Okay, I'll think so, of it. But anyway, so I get hired by the job. I, oh my gosh, it's a friend of the family. I can't believe I can't think of her name or their name. Uh, but so I, I get interviewed, go through the whole process and Cherry Creek Schools informs me that they, I get a call from Human Resources. I think I'm hired, right? I'm, I'm like, this is my first job, first job ever. And uh, they call me up and they tell me, well, this is Human Resources. Uh, because you said you had a... Uh, um, a marijuana possession ticket in the past, we can no longer hire you because Cherry Creek Schools has a zero tolerance policy towards any sort of drug offense. 
right? And this is a misdemeanor offense. It was not a felony offense, but they would not hire me, right? For this, because of this. And she's like, I, I heard you were a great candidate. And so thus, that's how I end up looking mm. for jobs in Denver public schools. So like, it's, it's very full circle. So I'm always curious, like how someone, cause to me, like at, at that point I was like Cherry Creek, that was where I was headed. But then I ended up in Denver and I've stayed in different public schools for 15 years for whatever that means. I don't know. I don't know what it says about my mental health and stability, but how did you make that transition from Cherry Creek to Denver public schools after all of those other experiences that you had had? Yeah. So again, like I, I briefly mentioned in April of 2015, the year I decided to quit. Oh, can I pause you? John okay. Buckner. John Buckner. There it is. <laughs> I was just going to say it. <laughs> All right. John Buckner. Sorry. Yes. Dr. Buckner, Ms. Buckner, Speaker Pro Temport. Go yes. ahead. Yes. I was just going to say that. Go <laughs> ahead. <laughs> like, there's nothing worse than when you can't think of something. Sorry. Yes. Um, so again, as I said, in April, 2015, I got sick. Um, and not to go like into the details, but I was really, really sick, like hospitalized for six months. Um, and then all the rehab and everything that you deal with afterwards. Um, so I started in Cherry Creek, left Cherry Creek, um, and then I wanted a job, right? I needed stability. I needed something to get me going. And I knew I also needed something to make me feel good, right? Like I just was in a, like a downhole and teaching was it, right? I knew teaching could bring me out of it. Um, so I ended up actually applying for Aurora Public Schools first, um, got a job there. Um, and the reason why I started looking at Aurora Public Schools in DPS versus going back to Cherry Creek, one, because I knew I didn't leave Cherry Creek on a good note. And um, Cherry Creek, just like all school districts, are phenomenal at blackballing their teachers, right? So if you don't leave on their accord and when they want you to accord and you don't leave with grace and bowing down, um, even though I was a long-term sub, I knew that that was going to happen. So um, I was also looking for a very specific medical insurance. So that's how I ended up in Aurora Public Schools. Um, and so I started at this school in Aurora Public Schools, probably there for maybe a month. And I ended up quitting because um, they had advertised that they give two insurances. And unfortunately, in the education world, there's a lot of one insurance companies. Yeah. Um, and so a month into it, like I'm starting to get ready for my insurance, find out it's not the insurance provider I want. Yes. Um, and when I got hired there, I was working under a black supervisor and she also gave microaggressions too. I remember telling her that like when I was getting ready to quit, I was just like, you know, I don't want to quit on you, but um, I need my medical insurance, right? I need my doctors. Like my personal life was way more important than my professional life mm -hmm. moving forward. Um, and she was like, well, she was like, well, I just don't want you to think you're special. You're not the only one going through this. And I'm like, excuse me, like lady, I don't know who you, and I told her, I said, um, sorry, uh, being hospitalized for six months will make anyone realize they're not special, right? Like yeah, on, a, yeah. on an ICU bed um, with six, four nurses, but yet they're constantly leaving me to go help other people. I, I think I know what not being special is. So I ended up leaving um, that school. And then that's when I started looking at Denver Public School District. Um, and I started off as a sub in Denver Public School District. One, because I kind of just wanted my own schedule, right? Like I had a horrible experience going back into the education the first two tries. So I just wanted my own schedule. Um, two, I just wasn't sure like that that's really what I wanted to immerse myself back into, right? Like I wasn't, like I knew teaching brought me joy, but it was like, does it bring you this much joy? 
Um, so I ended up working at a school and I'll name it because if you, I still am employed there, Green yes. Valley Elementary. Uh, so I worked in Green Valley and Green Valley is a suburb of Denver. I think I would call it a suburb of Denver. It's yeah. a very minority um, based sub suburb. If you sub suburb, <laughs> if you've ever <laughs> like um, know anything about the community is Green Valley was one of the first black and brown suburbs um, in Denver. And it was one of the best school districts or yeah. best schools, right? Like it was well-known black and brown people wanted their kids there. Yep. So I started subbing all over DPS and the subbing experience was just interesting. Um, for reals, for reals. Like yeah. we talk about seeing inequities when you go from one side of the school, school district to the other side. But I ended up falling in love with the school that I'm at now, um, mainly because I liked um, the community. I ended up moving into the community as well. And so moving oh, in wow. for that. Um, and then I also, um, at the time, I thought I loved my principal, my former principal. Um, he provided a lot of structure and um, so it just felt relaxed. But what I didn't realize is like, of course, when you're a sub, they treat you really well, right? When you're a sub, they're always thankful. They, they yes, praise you for sure. your time. Um, And so really looking back, I didn't realize like how much they were just giving me the normal treatment of a sub. Like they weren't really treating me better than anyone. They weren't treating me well. They were just doing what they do to subs, like making them come back. And especially because um, Green Valley, is on the side of the district is so far from the central part of the district. So most people don't even want to come out here to sub. Oh, so, I see. Okay. Yeah. Yep, so, yep, yep. You know, like if you find someone who wants to come back, you're going to treat it's them. a high like need. It. Yep. Um, and so then I ended up getting hired um, as I think by after I started there in November, sub subbing around the school district, I did one long-term sub position um, for a teacher. And then by I think April, May, the teacher quit. So a third grade teacher flat out quick. And so the principal called me and asked me would I take it. Um, and by this time we would already start talking about like a position. Um, not only was I talking about it with him, I was talking about it with another black principal in Montbello. And she actually offered me a position first, a full-time position, but at mm -hmm. the time I didn't want that. So she was like, hey, go to this principal, see what he can do for you. Um, and so I tell him like, hey, I want this position. He was like, I don't think I have a part-time, but would you like anything else? And I was like, well, ideally part-time is what I want, but you know, I need a job, so I'll take this position. So we kind of, I had, I think I had already done the interview before they asked me to do long-term sub. Um, and so I had gotten the fourth grade position, the long-term sub was in third. And this gets me because I just don't understand how you can treat people this way. So I get the third grade position. Um, the lady who runs finances comes to me and says, hey, do you want us to sign a contract? Like, do you want to now like just sign a teacher contract for this one month of school and you'll get paid during the summer? And, um, but hmm. contract may require you to stay in third grade. I'm like, cool. You know, like, what are you talking about? Do I want to get paid over the summer as a teacher? Do I want to get teacher's salary? Like, yeah, that makes a lot more sense to me. Yep. But the principal was like really gone home on putting me in fourth grade because the third graders who I was working with at the time were very, very rambunctious kids, very, very rambunctious kids. And so he wanted me in fourth grade because they needed a strong teacher in fourth grade. Yeah. So kind of like looping up. Yeah. And so I, I offered that, right, Asia? I was like, well, can I sign the contract for third grade and then loop up with the kids? Like, sounds like it solves everyone's problem. I get paid. You get to loop up. Um, and he was just like, no, 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 no. And, you know, and plus we don't want anyone to think that I'm treating you better because you're black. Uh, okay. Like, 
you know, DPS, like, let me get you all the way together. You hire people with no teaching background degrees, right? You hire people who don't even come out of teacher prep programs and nothing wrong with that, right? Nothing wrong yep, with that. Yep, yep, but yep. I have two degrees in teaching and I have been teaching in one of the best districts that people yep. compare you to all the time. Yes. Don't ever downplay my qualifications. I am qualified yes. for that position, right? And so like that was strike one. And honestly, then I should have never even came back the next year. For reals, for reals. Why you give people chances when they disrespect you makes no sense. Yeah. And so like, and I remember that when he said it, like I had like gone to people who worked with me at the time and I'm crying and they're consoling me. And I'm just like, I don't know how to address it. And back then, like at the time I was like, just go tell him, like go tell him. But then I was just like, be professional, right? You don't know. What does that mean? Be professional, right? Yeah. We say be professional. That means don't stand up for ourselves. Don't speak our truth. Right. That, and that's that, that interesting space where what does be professional mean? And for, for black educators, for black women, especially when we talk about being professional, all that comes with that. That's right. That's right. Because right. it's like, well, because they think that we have attitude, because they think that we blah, 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 going on That's and right. on and on, which really shuts down some conversation that should be happening. That's just not happening all under the guise of professionalism Be professional. and really it's whiteness and white Be supremacy. White. Yeah, that's what we've always said. Professionalism yes. is synonym for white. Yes, Exactly. That's all it was. Is basically, I was telling myself, don't overreact. Like he, he didn't mean it that way. Like be white, girl. Mm. Yep, yep, yep. And so that was like strike one, right? And then I also had parents. So I'm, I'm gonna tell you, and I don't even. I think I fell in love with the community for us, for us. Like I had this parent come in um, and I still remember she's so cool. Um, and she sat in my classroom because I'm sure at this point she's tired, right? Like her yep. teacher just quit. So she sat in my classroom and she left and she was just, she went and told him and she was like, that's the teacher. Like I want her, y'all keep her here. <laughs> yeah. And she was a black teacher, right? A black parent. So that was cool. I also had this black parent. This is all in the long-term set to me was like oh you're such a good teacher she was like you're a good teacher but you will not be here longer than three years and I remember telling her like girl this is not my first rodeo show like (laughs) I've already done this I've worked in a very white district I can handle this district or whatever um so fast forward I'm still in the long-term sub position he says that to me I can't he did say something else out of pocket I can't remember what it was but it was out of pocket um and so I had this Hispanic lady comes to me right and so at this point I, I'm a teacher. They know I actually know how to teach, but they provided me with nothing, right? No curriculum, no anything. They literally yep. were like, just keep the kids cool. Like just, just mm. keep them cool. So I'm in there babysitting, right? And you ain't got to tell me twice. You want me to keep them cool, kids? Chill. Like yep, yep, yep. I still was teaching, even though they didn't tell me what to teach. They didn't give me curriculum. I still was teaching, but I'm like, I'm gonna keep you cool. So like, if that means we get to play on a computer game for a day, whatever, like keeping you cool is keeping you cool. So I was, it was during guided reading, but I remember I had asked for this stuff. So I had literally asked, what is the curriculum? Where is the data so I can run a classroom? Um, and so during guided reading, they told me I didn't have to do it. That's the male principal, he's black. And so then this Latina comes to me and she's like, what do you think you're doing? Who do you think you are? You aren't teaching? Why are the kids on the computer? I mean, like when I say, I was like, uh, excuse me, you cannot check me when I'm doing what my, the boss yeah. Like I'm literally doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And if you want me to teach, then you can provide me with the materials. You're supposed to be the person on top of literacy. So if you want me to be doing guided reading groups then you bring me the curriculum, you bring me the data already done for me and I'll run groups. So like that was my introduction to this school, which, you know, honestly, you really should pay attention to science and how people treat you um, because it did not get better at all. Right. It's so, interesting. I'm sorry to cut you off. 
it's so interesting because as you're telling this story about the way you're being treated by the principal and, and by this literacy coach, I'm also thinking at the same time, like the students, you've been the sub, the students don't have curriculum, right? So time is going by where students aren't getting the materials and the learning that they need um, to be successful. So as even if they go on a fourth, fifth, sixth grade, if you don't have what you need to support them in the way that they need to be supported, this is what this is where we're seeing the access gap, right? Yep, where it's just yep, like, yep, right it's there. not the student, it's not the student at all. It is all the things that surround the student. And in this case, all things that surround the educator that stops success for our students from happening. And that keeps our educators not staying into a school. That's right. Not staying employed in a district because they just need to, they need for their own mental health to leave. Yeah. And, you know, to give the last, the other teacher, I don't know why she quit. That's not my business, but to give her credit, like that, that was group of kids was a challenging group of kids because they were all very, um, like very rambunctious, very high personality in one group. Right. Yep. yep. I will tell you that, um, when I wasn't a, when I wasn't a long-term sub, I got a lot of help. Right. So if I called them, was like, Hey, little, uh, John is acting up. They would come get little John. But the moment I got into long-term sub, it was like, Mm, sorry that phone is ringing or you know how about you handle it mm. so that was a tough position to be in but I still like the kids I I moved up the next year um and so then moving on like the things I've experienced so far <laughs> thus far up to where I am now is just everything being called uh, aggressive outright aggressive uh, for standing and having boundaries, right? For telling a, a literacy teacher that she can't come pull a kid during instruction. Um, so I got caught aggressive for that. Um, my principal, oh, uh, February, 2018, when the, after the strike happened, yep, yep, yep. Um, someone broke into my room, like magically my room was the only one I got broken into. Hmm. Everything got flooded and not a single thing got replaced. They literally threw pictures of my mom, my sister. I mean, you know, like precious things. Yes, yes. Things like things that I brought into school, threw it away. And then the uh, finance lady had the nerve to accuse me of taking stuff out of the school. She was like, well, we don't know what you've taken out of the school. And I'm like, what do you mean? Because when I came in the day that the flood happened, there was people taking inventory. Not only taking inventory, they were taking pictures. So there's no confusion. And y'all have cameras. Like, yep. I'm sorry, I'm not that broke where I need y'all to replace things I don't need y'all to replace. Yeah. Right. So they never replaced that. They did not replace a single student's stuff. Um, they did not even support in me or the other teacher in talking to our kids. So we had kids breaking down because the kids lost all their stuff. Yep. They didn't support us with any of that. And I called them on their bluff. I literally did. And I said, you know, if this would have been a white school in DPS, one, y'all would have replaced all that stuff. It wouldn't have been a question. No one would have asked for donations. Oh. Parents wouldn't have to thought twice about it. And you would have brought in someone to talk to these kids about losing their stuff. That's right. right? Um, so like, I think that's when I started to rub them wrong, right? Because now I'm just now, I know I'm like teed off or whatever. Yep, yep. Um, to last year, I get this evaluation. And um, basically throughout the year, my uh, supervisor who was white, a white woman, um, we were real, real cool, right? Real cool. Um, up until the point where I had accusations by um, paraprofessionals, other colleagues saying that I was sleeping with the custodial staff in school um, and that they had caught me. No, y'all, I'm not even joking. You cannot. Oh my God. 
Yeah, saying that I was sleeping with the custodial staff and that they were catching us and how they knew for sure is they were catching us come out the room with the students and fixing ourselves. So me as a person who's a professional, I'm thinking, because this was now, this conversation was happening outside of the school ground. Yes, so yes. I'm thinking, like, let me address this with my, my administrators so that it gets nipped in the butt. And then also, I don't want accusations that I'm doing it. I don't want anyone to try to look at my license, none of that stuff. Absolutely. It's, that's serious. That's serious yeah. to us. Yeah, so that is. That's a heck of an accusation. accusation like that to have on. Wow. Because you're yeah. fixing your clothes. Yeah. And so then, um, so then I, uh, whew, so then I bring it to my administrator. I'm embarrassed. I'm like, I hate to tell you this, but this is what's been said. And so he at the first was like, okay, this sounds like harassment. You can handle it. And I'm like, well, I don't want anyone to lose their job, right? Like that's yeah. just not the point. Yeah. But I do think it needs to be clear that professionalism needs to happen, right? Like that's right. you need to address it and tell them it needs to get nipped in the butt because if a parent catches one of this rumor, it could be game over for me. Like, yeah. and I, I was like, regardless of whether you want to investigate me, you would have to. You would have to investigate it because mm -hmm. I'm neglecting children to be having intercourse in a classroom. Yeah, yeah. And so that's when my white, uh, my white supervisor and I like kind of fell out because I kind of seen the way she was addressing it. So she was like laughing about it and she's like encouraging me. Like this is a administrator. She's now the principal of this school. She's encouraging me to antagonize these people. She was like, well, why don't you just go tell them like they just wish they could have him and like in joking about it. And it's like, no, this is a serious manner. And I yeah. told her, I said, if I were to do that, because I'm like, I'm petty. You don't yep. know. Me. I'm super <laughs> petty. I will do it. Right. Like I will be super petty. I said, but if I were to do that, what would have happened was is then they would have been bringing it to you. And now I would have been on the defense. That's and right. I would have been explaining myself. And so they, how they handled the harassment cases, they investigated, well, they didn't even handle a harassment case. They brought in my colleague, who's the one who heard it. And they brought in the other people. But as they're doing this, I'm telling them, like, I am literally feeling the passive aggressive behavior from these four girls who are now in trouble, right? Yeah. I'm feeling the jabs. I'm feeling the looks. I'm feeling the talking behind my back. And mm. I'm like, it's too much. And one of the girls worked in my classroom. And so I'm like, Look, I don't want anyone to get in trouble, but what I do want is her to be pulled out of my classroom. I was like, yep. because I can't respect her. There is no respect. Respect has gone out the window when you think you can spread a rumor about me, right? And so there, he, at first he was like, okay. And then it came up, I ended up having a HR and they were like, no, we can't like pull her out of the classroom because of hearsay. Well, y'all would have fired me on some hearsay. Y'all would yep. have investigated me and my license yep. on some hearsay, but you can't pull her out. And I'm like, listen, and they're like, but she serves the students. She serves the students at my direction. So if I say I don't want her serving my students because I tell her what to do, I'm not trying to make it seem like we're boss, but that's how DPS is run. Yep. Like the classroom teacher decides how they use the paraprofessional. Yep. So if I tell her, I don't want you to work with my kids, then that means that's what I want. Or if I say, look, I want you to work with them, but pull them outside of my classroom so I don't have to see you anymore. Um, and so it got like, it went all the way up to HR and the HR was like, well, it sounds like you want her to get in trouble on hearsay, but you wouldn't want yourself to get in trouble in hearsay. And I'm like, lady, what, I don't know which you don't get, like what you're saying doesn't make sense. So move Can forward. I ask a question? Go ahead. I know you mentioned this when you were um, in the other district, but did you think to, I, I'm just, first of all, I'm just really shocked and I don't <laughs> But also, did like was the union involved in any of this? Had you decided not to use yeah. utilize the union? What was going on there? So I didn't use the union um, at the time. Like I didn't join 
Um, okay, so backstory. So in Cherry Creek, the union is tied into the district, right? Like they have an office in the district. Um, and I remember meeting the union president and he'd be like, oh, I'm gonna go have lunch with the superintendent. And to me, it was like a conflict of interest because yeah. when I very first started my teaching career, it was in Texas and the union is like a third party. Like they don't work for the districts. It's truly, and so I, when I worked in Cherry Creek, I decided I didn't wanna be a part of a union because unions do sometimes work in cahoots with the district, right? No matter mm -hmm. how much they mm -hmm. say, no, and I didn't. So when I went into DPS, that's how it started. And so when this had happened, I was having conversations with people. Um, but again, like to me at the time, I was more afraid that they would, because even though like, you know, like the guy had said, like, we haven't done anything, like, you know, the children are like, no, whatever. There was no evidence found it. I didn't want it to come back and it'd be a baseless investigation to me, right? Like I didn't want me to have to even go through trying to prove that I'm not doing that in the classroom. So that's part of the reason why I didn't get involved. And I didn't get anyone involved because my, principal at the time had made me believe that he was going to handle it right and my mm -hmm. wish was simple my wish was that they didn't get in trouble there was no documentation of this yep. she was pulled out of my classroom I literally was like you can have her continue working with my kids but let her work in the library yep but what happened is is they ended up pulling her out of my classroom but then they said well it's because um they try to like they try to blame it on me. Like they pulled her out three months later and was like, "Well, you requested it," and I'm like, "I requested that three months ago." So don't play me and say now she's not in my classroom. What I know happened is she mentioned how uncomfortable it was because it's uncomfortable, right? Like she knows I went and told um, yep. our boss on her, and I'm not speaking to you. Like yep. there's no need to speak because you you crossed that line, and so take the students and go do what you need to do and don't speak, right? Yep. Um. So moving forward so i'm now like my boss and i the white woman and i are now like getting further apart because of how she didn't handle that with professionalism mm -hmm. so now i'm like dissing myself and so i ended up in january like i'm having breakdowns no light having breakdowns all the time in the classroom outside the classroom because of this like my family is starting to hear about it like they're worried about me i'm my sister is amazing i live with my sister and she's like bringing me food and making me eat because i'm not eating at mm -hmm. the house or whatever mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so fast forward to January, um, I end up, um, so I'm starting to hear all these things, right? So like now they're accusing me of things, like they're accusing me, a student of mine, I guess, picked up the phone and hung up, whatever, on the yeah. office. Yeah. So call me back and they're like, well, yeah, the office says you do this all the time. Wait, I'm sorry, you cannot make accusations of me. Like, and no, I don't. My students answer the phone and what do you want me to do? Like, if they hang up on you, they hang up on you. And the, the little girl, like, it was like a big deal. And I, like the little girl apologized. She's in tears. Yeah. I'm like, it's not that serious. She picked up. She said she didn't hear you. You said you didn't hear her. Let it go. So now they're accusing me of like teaching my kids this unprofessional behavior, which makes wow. sense, right? Because everyone else gets the phone call. Because yeah. a lot of times when people call, I'm like, tell them I'll call them back. Or, sure. you yep, know, yep, they yep. take a message. So it wouldn't be like, to me, it was like, why would I treat these two people like that, right? Just two people specifically like that. So moving forward in January, I'm now like at the brinks of things. I'm literally, I had already started re researching FMLA. Um, and so I'm like, no, just stay here for the kids, right? Because that's what I realized. Like yep. this job, I had already been hospitalized twice. So yep. like, where I missed four days. <laughs> And the last four days I had missed, my boss had the nerve to question me, like question me. And then not only question me, oh, that's what he was doing. He would blast it out to the whole staff. So he would literally put out, so Tara um, Douglas, 
absent illness. And I asked, like, I specifically asked, like, I said, Hey, like based on like my history, my medical history, yep, yep. that I've been hospitalized twice in your job, um, four days each time and come back the next day, like come back on a Monday after getting out of the hospital on a Sunday. Um, I'm like, please just don't put that because what the last thing I need is someone at my job to ask me about what's going on. Yeah. Trigger emotions because that's what happened. So I was hospitalized, a friend of mine who's nice, was just like, oh, tell me about it, broke down, right? So at this point, I'm having all these emotions, it's January, and I, um, one of the teachers down the, sh- the hallway, I can hear him, his student is exploding, right? You can yep. hear him. So I step out of my room, I think I had maybe five kids, and I, like, my kids are right there, I can see them, and I step out and I try to go get this kid to walk down the hall with me, like, calm down, calm down. Not my job, mind you, yep, not my yep, job. I can yep. definitely do what the teacher who's in between us does. She ignores it. She doesn't mm. ever help, right? Yep. And no one criticizes, but I helped, right? Because that's what I would want someone to do for me. And so I, my white supervisor, who's a female, comes to me and is like, why aren't you in your room? And why aren't you doing this? And you didn't answer your phone again? And I'm like, you know what? I'm sitting here doing your job. If you would answer the phone when he calls you nine times, if you answer the phone when my kids call you, because my kids were starting to call when they heard this menace, I said, I wouldn't have to step in and help. So that day I decided to take up FMLA, which they berated me. Like they, I asked again for them not to put it out. They put it out. I mean, I had colleagues, I'm taking FMLA and the FMLA order was for depression, anxiety, and something else. I can't remember. Yep. Um, and so they're now harassing me about lesson plans, which I didn't have to give them. Mm-hmm. They're also harassing me about um, just, just harassing me in general, just yep. making a loop. They sent out a letter to the community, which I've never heard of them sending out letters to community about someone being gone. Yeah. No. Um, right. And again, remind you, I had told them, please keep my business to myself. Yeah. Right. And so then um, I come back and the day I come back, um, they already emailing me about evaluating me. Literally the day I come back, they're like, let's evaluate you. So I like email them back and I'm like, hey, you know, I want to get my kids back in the routine. I want to make sure they got instruction. They had subs. Subs are reaching out to me during yeah. the late, which. Which you, you can't do. They can't do that. Right. Colleagues are reaching out to me. And so I'm calling the HR office and I'm saying like, you guys need to get this under control because this is, you're breaching your con. Like you can't do this. No one can yeah. be calling me or whatever. And so um, that. So the, she comes in, they evaluate me, um, or she gives me my mid-year. I mean, when you tell me I went from what the black supervisor, I went from being um, whatever it's called, distinguished and the one yep. below. Yep. Yep. Now I'm literally approaching, approaching and not meets. Oh my gosh. And not meets. So the best thing that happened that year, honestly, last year was uh, COVID. Literally, that was the best thing. Like, because I was already breaking down. My sister was already seeing it again. Like, literally like she was just like oh my gosh this is not healthy you just went back and work I'm crying in front of like uh in front of like they had me crying in front of uh the entire staff and kids during fire drills like just everything like and I they know that DPS knows I recorded the conversation she's calling me out about race and I talk about race too much um and this is DPS right yeah 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 Yes, equity in the school of majority minorities, but whatever. So in move forward, I, this evaluation went well, wrong. I got the union involved. So I finally got the union involved about time and the grievance is good. Like, uh, so they have to like fix some things or whatever. They ended up clearing up my, um, my evaluation 
Um, but you know what I will tell them? And like I told, I'll tell you, like I told them is it's not enough to just go in and clean up your mistakes. You yeah. need to go up and realize how much turmoil you put me through by writing what you wrote by allowing your colleagues to like, I had colleagues, they asked colleagues to write letters against me. Not colleagues who do not ever make formal complaints wrote letters against me for my grievance. What were you gonna say, Asia? Can I say, you know, I, I know this is our first, our first episode. I am curious to know as we interview more people, how many folks will be so grateful for, for COVID? Yes, that's what I was thinking too, because I, I, I think COVID, <laughs> Like for, for BIPOC teachers, it was like, thank you. Thank you. Just, just let me be away from you. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. I I just, I've heard it like just talking to my friends and they're like, I don't, I just don't have to deal. I don't have to see them. I don't have to hear them. I don't have to, I don't have to jump through the hoops. I don't have to like the racial battle fatigue is toned down so much. And it's a shame to say, I thank God or whomever. (laughs) Yep. for a pandemic so that I can just be so I could just kind of just be so I just wanted to stop for that quick moment to like recognize I you are not the first I do not believe you'll be the first nope. person nope. that we interview or the last <laughs> you're the first but you're not the last yeah, yep, yep. to say that like I'm so happy for coronavirus um yeah right? yeah so to wrap it up like basically they the grievance clears up, the evaluation clears up, but um, that didn't stop like the microaggressions, right? I, in the middle of the summer, I had someone call Safe to Tell to say that I was bullying adults in a meetings that never happened. Um, I also had my, then pro, that my supervisor who's now the principal, um, we, she ended up getting the job. Um, yep. in DPS. She ended up getting the principalship. And um, I went in to go get things, to get my stuff from um, the school or whatever. And I had recommended a book about, um, a book to her because when we first met that first year or that second year, I had told her like, you know, cause she said, well, I didn't think you were friendly cause you didn't smile and you didn't always speak. And I'm like, girl, I'm at my job, right? Yep. Have, has it ever occurred to you that I'm working? That when I'm walking in these office, these hallways, I got somewhere to go, something to do. And I was like, <sighs> and don't, like, don't think people aren't smiling at you. Maybe they don't see you. Maybe they like don't have time to do it or whatever. And so then she, and so I told her like, you know, I just had told her at the beginning of the year. So the beginning of last school year that we weren't gonna play the same games that I played with my, um, the, the year before. You weren't gonna call me aggressive. And I said, and if you wanna call me aggressive I'm gonna show you aggressive because yep. that's what you want, right? You wanna see someone who's aggressive. And I mm-hmm. said, and I said, if you dare question my ability to collaborate I'm gonna show you someone who doesn't collaborate because that's what you need, right? If you're gonna, yep. if I'm going above and beyond 24 seven and that's not good enough for you, then I'm gonna show you what mediocrity looks like. That's right. I'm that's show right. you what a C teacher looks like. Um, and so we had talked briefly about like, and I told her, I was like, and every time I code switch or every time I feel like you're being tone policing or being like, I'm just schooling her. And she, as a principal, y'all, she is now a principal. She was a, a principal, a resident, resident principal. Yeah. She didn't know what code switching was. How oh do gosh. you get to that position in a minority school? And that, yeah. In a minority school. Like, you, I mean, Green Valley. Well, we we Green already Valley. know the answer to that. <laughs> right. We but know how people get into positions of power and not know. Just continue. To- <laughs> it's a problem, right? It's a problem, especially when it'd be different if she's in DPS at a white school in DPS. She's at DPS in one of the largest minority schools, right? That's right. 
So I had recommended a book to her. Like I actually had reached out to Tasha, Tasha Wadron, who knows a lot about books. And so I said like, hey, she wants to look, read about code switching. Cause I told her, I was like, you wanna, you wanna learn, I'll, I'll give you some books. Yeah. Look, I had recommended, I think I read, recommended two. I think it was White Fragility and then I'm Still Here. Yep. And that was back in August, right? Mm-hmm. She didn't get those books in August. She didn't think about them in August. But after my grievance, cause my grievance was against her, and after she gets the principalship and after I, it's now the summer. So I've now been called on safe to tell she, you know, they had my colleagues say how bad of a person I was. I go in and she just was like, oh yeah, you know, remember that book you recommended me? And I'm like, what book? And she's like the book your sister recommended. And I'm like, you don't know my sister. My sister didn't recommend no books. And I was like, well, was it a professional book? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, definitely not my sister. I was like, what was the book? And she was like the book, I'm still here. And when I tell you that is a jab, like, because remember she had got the principalship and she wasn't supposed to. Yeah. And the fact that you're going to use a culturally relevant book against me to tell me that you're still here and to bring it up eight months later <sighs> is so inappropriate. Mm-hmm. When I tell you that is beyond inappropriate, especially because you work with black kids, the audacity of you to say that. And you said it after Floyd, um, George Floyd died, yep, right? Yep. And that's when DPS released their whole we yes. people statements. And so to me, like I had went to HR, the union had called her out, but they still didn't do nothing about it. Like, how do you not address that with her? And it has gone progressively worse, right? I can tell you all the things that have happened this year. They have mentioned that they, as white people, can't be in a meeting with a black parent because they didn't think she would be taking it wrong. But that same black parent, they thought they might need to call CPS on because the little girl's getting molested. Um, they also, when I asked for a new supervisor because she was white and she was racist and well, not cause she was white. Let me not say that cause that's, <laughs> awful. um, because she was racist. That's why yes, she already yes. showed me her racist past the year yes. before. Um, they, she told me no. And she literally tells me you can do two things. You can do what you did last year, which is the grievance yes. or you can go to HR. And so I had to go to the union who went to Susanna, like how bad of a district, how bad of a work environment that I have to go to Susanna to get the very top change my coach like seriously and then the coach literally told me listen up this is all the stuff that's happened this year so honestly like my final straw has just been all of it honestly I'm just done like I I have decided with myself and um because I honestly thought I was gonna work here my sister I didn't want to teach for much longer I when I originally came back in 2017 I said three years yeah. Um, Max. Um, but my sister has a four-year-old and my sister's yeah. like, please, please, please just stay in school. Yeah. At an elementary school, right? Like I want her protected. Like, cause my sister hears the story. So my yeah. sister's like, you know, they've asked for my niece to come. My sister's like, no way, no way yeah. I can go to that school unless you're there. So I originally, that's what I did. And because I love this community, I, I will tell you, I've fallen in love with this community, the parents, like I know a lot of people out here. Um, but my final straw is I can't, like I told I told my boss, I just had this conversation with her last week. How bad of a work environment is it? How toxic is it of a work environment that I'm at my house and I don't want to come to work? Mm-hmm. That tells you, that tells you something. And I said, I am at my house and I feel like you are still doing everything in your power to try to push me out. The microaggressions are still happening. You know, like they're now ceasing. I have to jump through hurdles to like go to parent meetings and email everyone. And I'm like, and you aren't treating my white staff like this, my white colleagues, because I know I'm the union rep. That's why I became yeah, the union yeah. rep, right? I became the union rep to protect myself and to know more. But I know you're not treating them like this because they tell me. That's stress, right. I told her, I said, their stress is teaching. My stress is you all. That's my stress. My stress is not 
teaching. So yeah, that's my final straw. Like I can't for sure say I'm, I hope, and I, I feel like it's in my plans to leave teaching this year. Yep. If I don't leave teaching, what I have assured my principal this year is I will not go back to her school. That's I right. will switch schools and I will not go back to her school and work in that environment anymore. You know, I, first of all, again, I've said this already. I really appreciate your story. Yes. And I also, I'm curious to know, as you're thinking about leaving, do you know what you would like to do outside the classroom? Um, uh, good question, Asia. Um, I think last year, the first two years when I was ready to leave, I was really specific. I wanted to do like advocacy because um, I do want to teach. One thing I've learned about working in two vastly dis different districts is um, my parents in Chair Creek, they got their principal out by their voice, right? They literally got the principal to get a new position in the district, um, which means they got what they wanted. Whereas these parents I work with now, they can come in with valid concerns. They can come in and they get dismissed every time. Um, and so I wanted to go into advocacy. I really wanted to teach um, parents out here how to go into schools and own them because they pay for them. So they yep. should own them. They should walk in there like white ladies walk into grocery stores. That's right, that's right. Um, and so that's what I wanted to do. Um, I don't know, Asia, there's a million things I want to do, but honestly, I would tell you at this point, I just want to get out of teaching. I, mm. I just want to get out of teaching. It's, I literally, like I told my boss this year, I can't sit back and watch how you one treat BIPOC adults and think that you don't treat our kids the same way, right? Like I have fourth graders who come to me last year and was like, Ms. Douglas, but she's racist. She's only doing this to me. Or even the male principal who's black, he's only checking me like this, right? Um, and I know it's true, right? And I can't sit back and watch it happen and knowing that um, I'm not, I can't break it apart, right? Like, and yes, it sucks because I can be the shield for my kids, um, but how many times can you take bullets before you realize this isn't what you wanna do anymore? That's sure. right. And, and, that, and that this whole time you're telling your story, I keep thinking about the term invisible labor, right? So while you're going through all these things and you're emailing folks and you're going to HR and you're filing things and you're recording conversations and you're going and checking into the hospital, getting supports, all that time, your colleagues, your white colleagues are just going to work. They're going at home. home. They're, going to work and going home. Hanging right? out at the park, doing yoga, doing, doing whatever right, it is. Right. Walking uh, away at 3.30 and never worried about it until they get back. Exactly. And so you've really taught double the years. And you've experienced double the years of tra like trauma. Um, and so I could... I. I can see and I can hear and feel that like doesn't really matter what I do at this point, but like that mental freedom is what's like, I can only imagine, I don't want to speak on your behalf, but the mental freedom, this ability to just not be there could, must be so strong. And to not work, you know, the one thing, and Susanna knows this before she left and um, I'm kind of vocal at this point. I really don't care what could happen DPS. There's not a lot they can do. And like I tell um, my, current administration, my former administration, when I leave, I'll be a community member and therefore everyone will find out anything and everything that they wanna find out. Like you're lucky right now because I'm being professional, right? Like right. I'm telling you everything because I work here. And they already know, a lot of people know in the community because I've had parents write letters on my behalf. Um, but more importantly, I don't wanna work for a district that says they stand for equity, that says they stand for black excellence and black lives matter, and that have my majority minority students. And yet this is how they're treating their BIPOC teachers. 
because for reals, like I tell people all the time, kids are experiencing this all the time. They just don't have the words for it, right? They 100%. Can't, they can't say tone policing, microaggressions. And even when they do, because I've had very articulate students yep. who tell me what was happening, no one believes them, right? Like even when I have gone to parents and say like, hey, you might want to come into the school, like this is what's happening. And when parents do, so either you have parents who don't believe or you have parents who come in and our system has now managed a way to minimize our parents' voices, right? Yep. Minimize them in this school or we do what I've seen being done. We give them ultimatums. You either stay here and shut up your kid to that school. That's right. So I just don't want to work a part of that. I don't want to work in a district where I tell my parents all the time. I have a kid who lives five houses down from me and I tell her, her parent all the time, I would not would not bring my kid to the school I teach at. And I know a lot of black teachers who work at that school who say the same thing or Hispanic teachers who bring them there, but they only have minority teachers, right? They only have Hispanic teachers. And so I I just can't continue to do this, right? Like I don't wanna say like to my kids, as I tell them all the time, like be authentic, authentically yourself, yep. question, question systems, question myself. Um, call me out when I'm doing wrong, but know that they are getting reprimanded all the time in a school situation, right? Like, I'll just give you this little thing. I had a student, so um, I pride myself. My name is Satara, right? So I pride myself on saying kids' names right. Yep, yep, yep. Um, because for so long as a kid going through K through 12, people said my name wrong. Yep. And I used to suck it up and be like, oh, well, it sounded like my name. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- I told my kids, like, that's not going to happen. When you're in my class, I don't care how many times you have to tell me, Miss Douglas, you said Asia wrong. You will say it this way. That's right. So I had a student, um, her name is very complex. I'm just going to say Asia, just to go with not saying her name. Yeah. So her name is Asia and the uh, librarian had called her Aja. And so, um, and Asia, Asian, Asia, I'm starting to say her real name, Asia, uh, at that point had built up the confidence to say it, right? Like hadn't built up the confidence to say like, hey, you're calling me the wrong name. So I stepped in and I said, hey, you know, whatever your name is, I just want to let you know um, you said her name wrong. Yeah. And so she's like, well, you know, I work with a lot of kids, so there's just no way I can say it wrong. Inappropriate response. Inappropriate <laughs> response. The response is, thank you for letting me know. I will try next time to say it correctly. Yeah. Or, yeah, just correct me. And so only reason I'm saying this is because then that now transfers to our administration. So the librarian, because I called her out, I went to the administration and said like, you need to talk to her about the way she talks to kids. Because if someone corrects her about someone's name at a very minority school, right? Yep. You need to say, hey, that's not the response. It's definitely not the response in front of, it's different if she wanted to pull me aside one-on-one and say, hey, it's a terror, don't ever correct me like that. Cool. But you don't say that with the kids there. So that now goes to my administration, who is now, I'm trying to say another principal's name, um, who works in DPS, and his name is very particular. And I never say it right. So I'm like, oh, I'm trying to say it right. I'm trying to say it right. And so she says, and she was like, yeah, oh, so he's so uptight about his name. This is a white presenting woman with the easiest name in the world. And she's like, yeah, he's so uptight. And he makes sure that he corrects you and that you have to say it the right way. And I had to come back and stop myself and email her and let her know what she said was wrong, that yeah. she had no right to try to check someone on wanting their name to be said right and how much privilege she has as a person to think she had the right to say something mm-hmm. and the audacity of you, a principal at a very minority school to call out someone for saying their name wrong. So is that why little boys go from Julio to Julio? Yeah. Like, is that why they switch their names? Because so many people like you have told them it's not okay to correct themselves. So honestly, Asia, like, I just want to get away from teaching because I want to be 
a person in the community who truly uplifts my community. And I can't do it in this school because obviously as DPS might be my employer, I can't go and blast them every five seconds about things that happen, yeah. um, right? Like I can't always, like just now I almost slipped up on saying the student's name. I can get in trouble for that. Yeah. But when I work in the community, I can do what I do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just want a break from this. I respect that. No, and I always wonder that, you know, I ask myself, I'm like, can I really liberate kids and do the work as part of the district? Because you see all of these contradictions. And like you said, they're, if they're going to treat us like that as educators, we know we've seen it. That trickles down to the students consistently, sure. Sure. consistently. And it, and it just, you feel counterproductive. You're like, am I, what, wait, wait, what am I doing? Am I helping to, uh, hold this system up or am I helping to break it down? Right. And it's, yeah. and it's just that wondering, you know, and, 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 but this idea that you're like, I'm still committed to my community and advocacy and, and my people, which I think is like the critical thing, you know, yeah. as we were talking about all of this, uh, me and Asia, you know, this podcast, this is like one of the things, well, what, what else is there out there and how can we stay involved and still be a part of our community, but you know, not not contribute to this oppression that is mm-hmm. the American education system. Yeah, I, I, the famous Audrey Lord quote, right? The master's tools will not dismantle the master's house. Sure enough. As long as we get our our paycheck, our para, our insurance, our fill in the blank, right? Our stu- our yep. children go to schools it's really difficult to, to shake it up too much, right? There's always a boundary and you may or may not have touched that boundary, yep. but it's, you know, it's there, right? Mm-hmm. And it's always, it's, it can be for, for many, and I speak it for myself at being a teacher for 12 years before I, I left, it was always bumping up against that boundary, right? Um, yep. And just saying like, this is, how long can I go like this? So yeah, I get it. We both get it. Yes, yes. Well, thank you so much, Satara. Uh, your story is powerful. I think, you know, I'm, I'm so happy that it is our first exit interview. Yes. Um, you killed it. You killed it. You, you, you set the bar very high, you know, but I think this is powerful and important stuff. And I think it's cathartic for Black teachers, but I think it's also important for, for these white administrators to hear these stories for, for, for administrators of color to hear these stories, you know, because, yes. um, you know, to sometimes it be your own kind, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Um, and, and, I, and hopefully, you know, if these people are true and that they want to uh, re- retain black educators, right? If that's really their solution, you're going to take this stuff seriously and listen to what you are saying and, and, and the stories that we're going to hear. Thank you for having me, you guys. I think this is a good opportunity. And I also think it's really important. Like, um, I think it's such a disservice that our community does not know how we're treated, right? Yep. Um, because they need to know what they're sending their kids into. So if I feel like I'm going into a battle every day, then what do my kids feel like they feel like they're going through? Exactly. Um, so thank you for this opportunity. Cause I do tell my community all the time, like um, a lot of them do know my story, but I don't always go into detail because I am, Unfortunately, because I still work for DPS, I'm yep. still trying to protect. Um, I don't even know why I would be trying to protect them, but I am pr- protecting myself from getting a lawsuit or getting fired or any. Because that. you're professional. 
because yeah. like we go. know black people are the ultimate like they say we're not professional but look the stuff we don't put up with we are like the ultimate professionals because we know if they had to go through it one day one day they wouldn't make it nope. so thank you you guys it's great and i'm glad i look forward and i actually can give you some more people who can tell you some stuff yes we love that we love that thank you yes please as a student, how many Black teachers did you have? If your answer is two or less, you are not alone. We know that Black teachers are under attack. And with all the conversation happening about Black teacher recruitment, shouldn't we be talking about retention too? So where are all of our Black teachers? I'm so glad you asked. In the new monthly podcast series from Two Dope Productions, the exit interview coming in late January, Asia Lyons hey, and me, Kevin Adams, talk with former Black educators who've been pushed out of the classroom. We want to know their stories. Who or what made them leave? How was their family affected by the push out? And most importantly, what are they doing now that they've left the classroom? If you would like to the egg interview, reach out to us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Dope Teachers or at email us at Two Dope Teachers at gmail.com. I'm just going to let it keep running. Um, my internet connection is weird. Let me just make sure. Oh, okay. It's because I'm on my guest network. We're, we're going to, I think that one was fine, um, but let's, let's record it. Um, as a student, how many Black teachers did you if your have? answer is two or less, you are not alone. We know that Black teachers are under attack. And with all the conversation happening about Black teacher recruitment, shouldn't we be talking about retention too? So where are all of our Black teachers? I'm so glad you asked. In the new monthly podcast series from Two Dope Productions, the exit interview coming in late January, Asia Lyons. Hey, y'all. And me, Kevin Adams talk with former black educators who've been pushed out of the classroom. We want to know their stories. Who or what made them leave? How was their family affected by the push out? And most importantly, what are they doing now that they've left the classroom? If you'd like to be on the exit interview, reach out to us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Dope Teachers or email us at twodopeteachers at gmail.com. Hot fire.